Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, the 10 tips to follow in your fantasy football draft. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's riding solo today, and my goal is to try to give you a 15, 20-minute just boot camp, basically, get you ready for your fantasy draft that is likely here coming up. So if you've been paying attention to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, we've been adamant, myself and co-host Wayne McFarlane, that you don't need to just jeopardize basically the value available or what's going on in your draft to stick to a specific strategy. You can start three running backs, three wide receivers. We have podcast episodes going over both. This one is more so just 10 tips that I think uh, a lot of times even cover multiple different you know types of leagues and formats and stuff and just more general type of th- strategies to get there so have the values come out the uh, fades the sleepers so if you're looking for player specific stuff we got you covered there again today's goal just 10 tips that i'm pretty sure i'm, I'm actually very sure that will help you you know regardless of uh, the sort of format and style of the draft you're entering so great day to be great and let's get after it so you can find this on pff.com as well but guys number one Don't get cute early. Think of the NFL draft the same kind of way as fantasy drafts. We have a decent idea where guys are going to go in round one or just what guys kind of have that in their higher range of outcomes. The problem is once we get to rounds two, three, four, obviously it becomes a bit more of a shit show because let's face it, the media attention on both the real NFL draft and the fantasy draft is so circulated into round one. I cannot tell you guys how many radio shows I go on where the discussion just ends up being Christian McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor at 101. And at the end of the day, if you have either of those guys in your RB1 spot, you're going to be feeling pretty good. The main point here, though, is that the ADPs for the early round guys are going to be far sharper than the late round guys just because of all the attention being put on them. So when I say don't get cute early, I just mean give yourself a chance to go get the player you want around where they're being drafted. I got a lot of questions yesterday. Hey, I had the 108. I have the 109. What do you think about Alvin Kamara there? In a vacuum, that's fine. I don't think there's that big of a difference between Alvin Kamara and, you know, guys like Dalvin Cook or Devontae Adams that are usually going in that spot. The thing is, when we're comparing guys, if you have a tiebreaker and, you know, pick 109, one guy's got an ADP that's like pick 16, other guy's got an ADP that's pick eight, which one do you think has a better chance coming back to you? That's all here. Don't get cute early. Trust the ADPs to an extent and don't be reaching full rounds on guys because there's a good chance you won't have to and they will actually fall back to you in the next round. Tip number two, there are more potential workhorse running backs available in the earlier rounds than ever. And, you know, as Dwayne loves to say, every season is different. Every draft is a dynamic living organism. So with that said, as someone that's done... I'd say since the NFL draft ended, including best ball, I've probably done 60 or 70 drafts at this point. I feel so much better about the rosters that come away with at least one, if not two running backs inside of the first four rounds. Really, the first three are the sweet spots. Every now and then we see a stud, you know, slipping into the fourth. So really, guys, it's just every single round because usually the guys that, you know, have the talent, have the workload, have the offensive environment, even have a good strength of schedule. Like those are kind of our four pillars. 
those guys that are checking all those boxes are usually gone in round one, but we have some workload opportunities to still take advantage of after that. So obviously round one, Jonathan Taylor, McCaffrey, Eckler, Najee, Dalvin, Derrick Henry. If you want to take these guys really at any point over one of the wide receivers, that's fine. Personally, I do have the top six wide receivers as people that I'm comfortable with, you know, intertwining with these guys. If I have the 103, JT and McCaffrey are off the board. I'm taking Justin Jefferson ahead of these other backs, but there's just very little to argue with about any of these guys. You know, sure, McCaffrey and Eckler maybe don't have the same 300 carry upside, but with the amount of targets they're going to get, they kind of make up for it with the workload that guys like Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor are going to get. So those six first-round running backs are fully worth it. We move on to round two, though. Alvin Kamara, who is only this cheap because of the suspension stuff. Like, fire him up every chance you get in the middle of low parts of round two. DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, PPR-friendly backs are there. Saquon Barkley and Leonard Fournette, round two ADPs with projected round one workloads as the feature back in their respective back field even nick chubb someone that is on my fade list and i'm not a huge fan of but he's still really really freaking good if not the best running back alive and if you want to get him at the end it's not the worst thing in the world so round two especially guys like once those top six wide receivers are gone cup jefferson chase cd Diggs, and Devonte adams and you can throw tyree kill in there too once those guys are gone i have a really tough time going to the next tier of wide receivers while some of these running backs are still on the board and we're not done Devonte williams goes at the end of round two sometimes falls into round three same thing with leonard fournette and then round three round four we also have guys like zeke james connor travis Etienne. Brees hall a little bit down there i'm not quite as high on him as someone like Dwayne is but look with all these backs available in the first three rounds, you don't have to worry as much about necessarily getting these great wide receivers because there's still going to be great wide receivers in rounds four, in rounds five, not quite the same with running backs. That is when we were getting to the dead zone. So when I've been drafting in rounds two and round three, just looking at the overall ranks, guys, like, yeah, of course, I have certain receivers ranked above other receivers, and we are, we are all going to take stands on specific guys. But the wide receiver two tier, I mean, I think I mentioned this in my uh, fade episode, literally look from like Michael Pittman all the way down to guys like Brandon Cooks, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Rashad Bateman. I mean, that's my wide receiver 14 to my wide receiver 29 and Rashad Bateman. Yeah. Obviously, I'll take Michael Pittman ahead of him, and you guys would too. All the ADP indicates that. But I really think just that giant tier of wide receiver twos, every single guy there has at least one red flag, and I'm just very content to let the draft come to me, take the value there, and get these workhorse running backs early because they quickly disappear. Again, I do not have a do not draft list. I think you can always have a weird enough, long enough, you know, certainly – certain rules enough uh, in a draft to basically make any single skill position player in the entire NFL fantasy viable. But man, with the RB dead zone, kind of having guys like your Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, Antonio Gibson, he, he's crashing down and burning at this point. But the rounds, you know, late round four to late round six, seven area, I don't really like the running backs going there at all. I'm happy to make a strength to strength a superpower, I should say, a wide receiver in that area, get, get one or two running backs in those workhorse rounds early. Tip number three, if it's close, take the player with the better best case scenario. Maybe sounds like common sense, but first or last, guys, who gives a shit if we have a team that's like looking like the fourth best squad in the league? We are going for first and why the hell not? So a big thing with this for me, it's more of a running back tool because shout out Mike Wright from the Fantasy Footballers. He gave me this term last year, but I am looking for the flex with benefits sort of talents here. So the four running backs that stick out to me going well outside the top 100 picks. 
Michael Carter, Jets, RB1 for right now. I think Brees Hall is going to lead things, but it's going to be a lot closer than folks expect. You're not going to be thrilled about Michael Carter in the flex, but that's going to be the same thing with these other guys. What you would be thrilled about is, God forbid, Brees Hall misses any time. Michael Carter is a proven three-down back that the Jets put out there more than any other running back they had last year. He could work across all three downs. We could see him, again, go from a wide receiver four to an upside wide receiver two in the blink of an eye. Also have Daryl Henderson over there with the Rams. Again, handcuff upside alone. I think he's viable where he's going, but we also have more potential, the standalone potential that Sean McVay has talked about all offseason long. Jamal Williams, Lions. You know, I talk about this guy every podcast I get to go on, basically. But he's looking at 10 to 15 combined carries and targets during most weeks, even with DeAndre Swift active. Something happens to DeAndre Swift. We can see Jamal step into the full-time role. He was, you know, easily clearing 15, 18 touches per game in his three games last year without Swift. And he was even hurt during that stretch. So I think it could get a lot bigger. So Jamal Williams, someone for me, he would be my single biggest pick to be this year's version of James Conner. And finally, Khalil Herbert getting all the first team reps with Justin Fields in the preseason and beat reporters continue to murmur that he could actually be out there stealing some snaps away from David Montgomery. So again, take the player with the better best case scenario guys like Michael Carter, Daryl Henderson, Jamal Williams, and Khalil Herbert. I just consistently find myself prioritizing them ahead of more one-dimensional players. Your, your Kenneth Gamewells of the world, your uh, JD McKissick's of the world, you know, even, even Isaiah Spiller, Tyrion Davis Price, guys that we just aren't nearly as sure of having a chance for a standalone value. And when you throw that handcuff potential on top of it, I love those running backs. Similar sentiment to other positions. Uh, I will say that you want to be careful, though, about stacking. This is another thing like looking at the upside because stacking in best ball is huge. Don't handcuff your own running backs, though. Again, first or last, we are trying to take home this whole thing. If you drop Zeke in round four and Tony Pollard in round seven, how are they both really going to meet value there unless one of them completely plummets and now one of your fourth or seventh round picks didn't even come close to meet, uh, meet, meeting potential? So I would much rather, you know, I know Pollard versus, versus Alexander Madison, like you don't have to make that one-for-one one, uh, swap because of the ADP discrepancy, but in a vacuum, like I would much rather have Zeke in round four, Madison in round nine versus, you know, getting Pollard in round seven. We're getting better wide receivers in that scenario as well. Final point here, someone like Justin Fields ahead of guys like Derek Carr. Again, I just want – look at a player's outcomes. And if you if you think it's close between a guy and you can just see someone like a Justin Fields who fits the archetype of just being the dual-threat quarterback who – I don't think he has like a legit overall QB1 season in his potential range of outcomes. But with someone like Derek Carr, Justin Fields is playing a different game. That's why I have been happy to put Fields ahead of guys like Carr, like Kirk Cousins. As great as it is having that, you know, veteran gunslinger kind of tier of all those guys next to each other, I do think Fields, again, stands out repeatedly as the late-round quarterback of 2022. Tip number four, draft players priced closer to their floors than their ceilings when possible. So I have my sleeper video uh, go up here soon. If it's not up already, it'll be up shortly. And basically, I identified 12 players with an ADP outside the top 120, outside the top 10 rounds. So once you get to round 11, 12, these are the points in the draft where all of a sudden ADP, a little bit more wonky. You can take bigger stands on guys because you're not just giving up the same sort of value you have in early rounds. And we're less sure about how long guys are still going to be on the board at this point so quickly again full uh 
You can get the full 12 sleepers over in the other YouTube video. Of course, articles on pff.com. But Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, my QB 14, ADP QB 17. PFF projects him to have 140 rush attempts, fourth highest mark among all quarterbacks. Really hard to bust with that sort of workload. It's like a running back that's going to catch 50 passes. You need to be horrific to not provide some sort of fantasy upside with that. Mentioned him before, but Los Angeles running back, Los Angeles Rams running back Daryl Henderson, also Detroit Lions running back Jamal Williams, and Chicago Bears running back Khalil Herbert. They all qualify in the sleeper list for me as well. Also Colts running back Naeem Hines. Not because Frank Reich said he'd have him on his fantasy team. That is good news, but more than anything, guys, seeing Hines get the every down role with Matt Ryan in the preseason, that wasn't always the case. When he when Marlon Mack got hurt in the past, Naeem Hines didn't step into an every down role. Jordan Wilkins actually stepped up and took the early down work. So Naeem Hines right now, really to me, looks like an 11th round version of Tony Pollard. We could be getting a lot of PPR friendly receptions throughout the season while Jonathan Taylor stays healthy. And God forbid something happens to Jonathan Taylor. Before, I thought Naeem Hines would kind of settle in as more of a low end RB2. But based on that usage and having Matt Ryan there and just the overall upside of the offense, we could see Hines without Jonathan Taylor, you know, flirting with that RB1 borderline without too much imagination at wide receiver here's the thing i want either target hogs that are just being dismissed or number three wide receivers in great offenses where they're not handcuffs because we can still trot them out there on our on, on their own flex but at the same time one injury away to either of their team starters from really skyrocketing up the draft board so Bengals wide receiver tyler boyd my wide receiver 45 adp wide receiver 50 back-to-back seasons as the wide receiver 36 and ppr points per game that's the floor and he's going about 15 picks past that guys 12 games without one of jamar chase or t higgins if you extrapolate that to 17 games over the past two years 117 catches for 1224 yards and six touchdowns chase and higgins they are the 1a and 1b like i fully understand that i don't think mike thomas the other mike thomas is going to step up and just immediately you know factor in this equation if higgins or chase miss time i see tyler boyd be all of a sudden becoming the target hog that we saw back in 2017 2018 or whatever it was Arizona Cardinals wide receiver Rondale Moore going outside the top 60 wide receivers. He is my wide receiver 46. We've heard it all offseason from Cliff Kingsbury about Rondale factoring in as a starting slot. And I just think when you look at who the most likely guy is to get most of the usage left over from both Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds, I keep coming back to Rondale Moore. So Maybe when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, they go back to using Rondale just as more of a gadgety guy, and we can't really use him that much past week seven, week eight. Or he stays in the whole season. Kyler continues to distribute things pretty evenly, and we're looking at a potential workload that's consisting of 100 targets and 20 or so rush attempts for Rondale. So for me, I've really been a fan of, you know, in lineups where I do get DeAndre Hopkins around seven or eight. I don't like handcuffing. The running backs, when we're basically, you know, defaulting to a round four, round five pick, just busting and not giving us anything. But if we have around seven DeAndre Hopkins, then we can take Rondale Moore in round 12 or 13 just to really secure that we're going to have a high upside receiver in the Cardinals offense all season. I've been fine with that strategy. Washington Commanders wide receiver Jahan Dotson, still wide receiver 63 ADP. We've had a month straight of reports that not only is he crushing training camp, but now we got the uses to show that he's ahead of Curtis Samuel in the wide receiver pecking order behind only Terry McLaurin. Yes, it's Carson Wentz. 
look at Garrett Wilson catching passes from Zach Wilson. He's not even beating out Braxton Berrios apparently at this point. Look at Chris Alave playing with Jameis Winston coming off the ACL. I'll give Jameis the nod over Carson Wentz. I'm not trying to start a war here. Jameson Williams is obviously uh, still hurt. He's not going to be back anytime soon. Like, okay, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, they got the good quarterbacks, but this isn't exactly a new phenomenon that Dotson has to deal with some questionable play. Under center, I will happily take a player projected for triple-digit targets going outside the top 60 at his position. Buffalo Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie still seeing consensus ADP as wide receiver 78, which feels like, you know, some sort of ploy by the government to just depress the ADP. I don't know what it is, but he really just ingrained himself as the starting slot receiver in Buffalo at this point. It's a role that got Cole Beasley at least 100 targets in each of the last three years. And McKenzie at this point in time, no Beasley slander, at least, you know, in terms of what he's doing on the football field. McKenzie, I believe, actually could have a higher ceiling than the 30 year old version of Beasley that's been in Buffalo. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Joshua Palmer, my wide receiver 63, going outside the top 70. Maybe per the athletics, Daniel Popper. Palmer is actually going to be the clear cut number three receiver ahead of Jalen Guyton. But guys, if Keenan or Mike Williams miss time, see, this is what I'm talking about. The number three all of a sudden becomes the number two pass game option for Justin freaking Herbert. Another charger is Gerald Everett, my tight end 15, ADP tight end 22. If we are looking for this year's, you know, 2020 Robert Tunney or 2021 Dawson Knox, a full-time starter in a great offense with an amazing quarterback who is just really cheap in fantasy land because we're not expecting more than 60, 70 targets. But hey, you could imagine them actually scoring eight to 10 touchdowns on those targets. I think Gerald Everett headlines the list. I think Irv Smith is there as well. Suddenly he's getting cheaper than ever. More on him in a bit. And Hayden Hurst and Tyler Higby. But yes, I just mentioned Irv Smith. He is going to be my 12th and final sleeper for this category. So again, buy guys closer to their floors and ceiling when possible. The 12 players that I believe exemplify this. Justin Fields, Daryl Henderson, Naeem Hines, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, Tyler Boyd, Rondale Moore, Jahan Dotson, Isaiah McKenzie, Joshua Palmer, Gerald Everett, and Irv Smith. Tip number five, injury prone and already injured are two completely different things. We've had Dr. Evan Porras on this podcast multiple times over the years. And look, when Dr. Porras tells me that he's not worried about Saquon Barkley, why am I going to be worried about Saquon Barkley then at this point? I just think it's one of those things where, you know, in life, trust professionals. When my freaking... I don't know, maybe I'm going against like the sacred manhood code or whatever, but you know, I'm not a car guy. So when something goes wrong with the car, I take it to the freaking, you know, the mechanic or whoever, whatever they're called. I don't, when a player's injured, I don't just assume that I know exactly what's going on with their ankle. I try to ask a medical professional and I understand there's a lot of guys on Twitter that maybe we shouldn't be, you know, assuming are just the best doctor in the world and stuff. But I do believe that, you know, us at PFF, we have gotten good connections with guys that matter. And because of that, we can make more documented decisions. So last year, in this column that you can find on pff.com, I wrote that the likes of Joe Mixon, Chris Carson, and Austin Eckler, among others, seem to lose more stock than others with similar injury history. Obviously, Carson, things didn't work out. But yeah, this time last year, Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler were falling because of these alleged injury concerns. Now that has been handed to Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and James Conner. So in Conner's case, being a uh, cancer survivor, Dr. Porras has brought up that just the, the history of soft tissue injuries he's had, there's a reason why he's being pushed down to round three, round four, and the other guys aren't. But McCaffrey, Saquon, I just, if you don't want to draft him, you want to draft someone else, okay, they're in tears with other running backs. I'm not saying you need to take these guys, but really, if the player is healthy and your only thing that you don't want to draft them is because they're going to get hurt, 
try to find a better reason. Also, want to just point out, we can't assume guys like Jonathan Taylor just aren't going to get hurt. And that's why I love uh, the injury predictor tool over at Draft Sharks. They actually do a great job showing what guys have gone through in the past. And they try to actually make a stand and predict how many in- uh, games guys are going to miss with injury going to next year. So they actually predict Austin Eckler and Dalvin Cook to have more issues staying on the field than Christian McCaffrey. Just something to keep in mind there. You know, it can't just be McCaffrey and Saquon are going to get hurt and every other running back is going to stay healthy. Let's try to, you know, look at things less than, you know, the uh, – I'm forgetting the word. I know sometimes we can look at things as like a zero sum. It's either yes or no. I think a lot of times a little bit more nuance would be required. There we go. But like I did say, difference between being injured or maybe being injured and already being injured, Jamison Williams, Michael Gallup, J.K. Dobbins, James Robinson, Chris Godwin, Sterling Shepard, Logan Thomas. If you do want to ding these guys coming off the terrible injuries and now looking ahead to a season where they could start the season on pup or at least be very limited, that's completely different. Then someone like Saquon McCaffrey, fully healthy at this point in time, maybe not so much here in the near future. Round six, pick six, tip six. There we go, Ian. Round six or later is the right time to draft a quarterback in traditional formats. Josh Allen did make my fade list. Joe Burrow made my fade list because I just see discount versions of them available in later rounds in the drafts when I don't think the difference between them is worth that round difference when you start looking at the players you're giving up. When we take Josh Allen in round three and we can get Kyler Murray in round six, it's not just that I think the players are close. I do. But when we're taking Josh Allen, we're leaving a three-down running back. We're leaving a just upside wide receiver one probably on the board. We're taking Kyler Murray. That's the RB dead zone. That's when the top 30 wide receivers are already gone. That's when like Dalton Schultz is the guy at the top of your queue at this point in time. So it's not just about the quarterback value and how it goes over rounds. It's just the fact that running backs and wide receivers, that round six, round seven range, things start to really dry up. There are still guys, Amon Ross St. Brown falls down there sometimes. I'm happy to scoop him up where you can still get behind it. But just looking at the ADPs right now, Josh Allen going pick 24, Mahomes going pick 34, Justin Herbert pick 36, Lamar Jackson pick 49, Kyler pick 56, Joe Burrow pick 58, and Jalen Hurts pick 66. So for me, I have been loving getting one of Kyler or Jalen Hurts in round six in almost any draft I'm in. Don't force it, though. If you can't get them, there's still going to be plenty of quarterbacks back there. And that's the big thing that Dwayne and I have tried to really drive in as we do these drafts. Don't feel like you need to fill up your starting lineup in these middle rounds just to do so. You're going to have your chance in rounds really seven, eight to 10 or 11 to solidify in these positions. If you don't get one of these quarterbacks, Trey Lance is usually there in round eight or round nine. Somehow I, his ADP guys is still QB 13, allegedly with fantasy pros. That's another one that I think, Hey, might go up to the vice president or something. It does not make sense to me. He's a quarterback seven in high stakes leagues and in best ball land. But look, if you don't get one of these guys, you still have Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins going easily around 10, round 11. Aaron Rodgers falls down the board. Justin Fields, who we talked about, is someone that goes into teens a lot of times because people are just so terrified of that Bears offense as a whole. So if you don't get Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray in round set, round six, don't feel like, okay, now I need to take Tom Brady in round seven. This didn't go well. Relax. Don't be afraid to make your strength a superpower in these early rounds. Tip number seven, don't be afraid to double down and make wide receiver a super strength thanks to late round value at running back convenient. I was just talking about this. So look, the big edge for me this year 
is the reality that we can still get potential upside RB2 candidates in round seven and eight. And the three guys I'm specifically looking at, Cordero Patterson, ADP, RB29, pick number 77. Kareem Hunt, ADP, RB34, pick 81. And Chase Edmonds, RB33, pick number 84. I think straight up, guys, like I would take them all over Josh Jacobs. I'd probably take them over J.K. Dobbins. You could argue guys like Miles Sanders, too. They're all going rounds ahead. Guys like Elijah Mitchell are going rounds ahead. And what's really the difference here? Because with Patterson, Hunt, and Edmonds, we have running backs that we're expecting to see 15 ish maybe more combined carries and targets per week each guy has some explosive ability and at least in Edmonds case you know we have some sort of offensive uh, upside potentially at hand with Mike McDaniel coming into town so CPAT someone that last year RB7 overall and RB6 on a per game basis before spraining his ankle Kareem Hunt's been a low-end RB2 his entire time in Cleveland got to do a nice little show with Ari our kind of insider over here at PFF and he even told me that he's not expecting Kareem Hunt to be traded at this point what if he does get traded? You tell me if the Eagles decide to make Kareem Hunt their feature back, he won't be going higher than RB34 at this point. Again, another player being priced closer to their floor than ceiling. And finally, with Chase Edmonds, more and more good news. It could be a three RB committee in Miami. There is a little bit of uncertainty here, but he's still explosive pass catching running back that we can get rounds after a lot of these other guys go that I just don't even think have the same sort of fantasy friendly workload so you know again we get through the first couple rounds let's say we get through the first three rounds we have two running backs I don't want another running back until I get to this group and that allows you to go get your quarterback in round six maybe a George Kittle falls to you in round five and now all of a sudden we're entering round eight round nine we have four fantastic like top 30 wide receivers out there we got a sick quarterback maybe we have a tight end maybe we don't and now we're already going to have two or three running backs that you can actually confidently put in your rb1 and rb2 spots at the immediate start of the season so again Cordero patterson kareem hunt and chase edmonds those are the three running backs that if you want to go hero rb one or two rbs early and just basically load up a wide receiver i think these are three players that really help that strategy come to fruition Tip eight, take an extra five minutes and review your scoring format before the draft. Pretty self-explanatory. Just one of those things uh, for the Scott Fishbowl last year, like they were, you know, deductions for like incomplete passes and things. Some leagues just do wonky scoring settings and you're the one signing up for that league. So you can't draft a terrible team and then bitch about the rules. You signed up, you accepted it. Be a man, be a woman, learn the rules and take advantage of them accordingly. I've been on the record. I think kickers are stupid, but hey, if I'm in a league with kickers, I'm not just going to leave that spot blank. I maybe have accidentally once or twice, but you know, I'm not going to take a stand when it's a, just actively going to hurt my chances of winning. Same thing with full PPR scoring. I don't think catching a football should be equivalent to gaining 10 rushing yards, but it is. So because of that, we're going to prioritize running backs that are better at catching the ball like a Travis Etienne over someone like Nick Chubb at cost. Tip nine, it's okay to go early at tight end, but you don't need to chase the position. I got a lot of questions about when I am taking Travis Kelsey. He is my number 13 overall player. So if I'm at the turn and the top six running backs are gone, McCaffrey, Taylor, Henry, Eckler, Cook, Najee, they're all off the board. And the top six wide receivers are gone. Jefferson, Cup, Chase, Diggs, Lamb, Adams. I will then take Travis Kelsey there because I'm probably 
If I'm picking at 112, I'm getting one of those great players and now also getting Travis Kelsey. But I will happily take two of the top six wide receivers, two of the top six running backs if they are still there. With Mark Andrews, similar sentiment. Like if we if we're seeing, you know, the Aaron Joneses, the Alvin Kamara's of the world, and you know, even guys like Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, DeAndre Swift, I love those round two running backs. But if I'm in a draft where they're all flying off the board, and now I'm picking, you know, spot number 20, 21, and Mark Andrews is there. I'm okay going to Mark Andrews in round two or Kyle Pitts in round three if the workhorse running backs aren't aren't just shaken out and if some of these upside wide receivers just are off the board. T. Higgins is someone that falls to round three a lot. I am taking him over Kyle Pitts eight days of the week. But if Higgins is gone and now all of a sudden, let's say, you know, we're in a draft where we already got some running backs. So the running back pickings aren't great in round three. And you start looking at the wide receivers and it's like Kyle Pitts versus DJ Moore versus Cortland Sutton versus, you know, Jerry Judy and Deontay Johnson. All of a sudden we have Kyle Pitts, a tight end with a similar receiving projection as the wide receivers that he's going next to. That's the exact spot that I am fine going with Kyle Pitts. George Kittle in round five is alluring. Really pay attention to his Darren Waller injury stuff going on. He's only practiced like once all of August. And for me, I've been Kittle over Waller the entire offseason because I still think there's a chance Kittle could emerge as the number one in this passing game. With all due respect to Debo, I don't think Waller has that same chance with Devontae Adams in town. After this, so if you make it through you make it through the early rounds, you don't have a tight end yet. Again, don't panic. Don't take Dalton Schultz in round freaking five or six just because you see tight ends going and you think you need to fill that position. Just like running back, how we had that nice little set of three guys going in round seven or eight that we can take advantage of. Same thing at tight end. The fact that Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, and uh, Dawson Knox are going so much later than guys like TJ Hawkinson and Dalton Schultz, that's the advantage I'm taking. Because, you know, round six, round seven, you could still be seeing either the upside quarterbacks like we talked about or just a spare really good wide receiver still that maybe you're infatuated with. Those guys are still there. I don't want Dalton Schultz or Hawkinson there. I agree that they should be, especially Schultz. I think he should be ranked ahead of those other guys I mentioned, but it's not just about where they're ranked. It's about where they're going relative to everyone else. So Dalton Schultz in round five, round six, to me, I am much happier to get Goddard, Ertz, or Dawson Knox in round eight, nine, ten. And if you pass on those guys, not ideal. I do like to have one of those top tight ends as my starter, but hey, Irv Smith, Gerald Everett, these late round tight ends, again, just if you make it through the first nine rounds and, oh, you got sniped, Dawson Knox is gone, don't reach on someone like Irv Smith by three rounds just to do it and to fill that position. Take your time. Let the draft come for you. Come to you. Don't be afraid to take an extra running back and wide receiver. If your league mates look at your roster and they go, oh, man, you need a tight end, but holy shit, did you see You know Doug's wide receivers, whoever the hell Doug is? Like It's not the worst thing in the world. If you can find yourself – you know, championship roster, you're just one position away from fully getting there. That's better to me than just being mediocre across the board. Tip number 10, don't draft the kicker or defense unless it's required. If you have to, for the love of God, please wait until the last two rounds. More important for this weekend, I'm recording this on August 25th, where we still have some preseason action coming up, knocking on wood, but injuries still could happen to some of these guys. And even players, you know, really far down the board, Matt Breida, Boston Scott, Samaje Piran, running backs that no, like no one's even really taking inside of like top 16, 17 rounds a lot of times, but guys, 
that's going to be a better value if one injury happens than a lot of these kickers or defenses that, let's face it, are still going to be on the waiver wire when week one comes along. So that's the idea here. We just take our chances on players in potential situations that could open up and change quickly. And now all of a sudden we have the guy that everyone's already rushing to the waiver wire trying to get. With that said, if we make it through this weekend, there's no more injuries. You know, we're already pretty close to week one. You can go ahead and draft your kicker or defense. We do have kicker rankings for you against my better interest, but we got to, you know, help out, help out the lower subscribers. We do have kicker rankings for you at pff.com. And I have done a study on defenses we want to prioritize in the early weeks of the year specifically. These are the top four defenses and had a short 15 minute pod go out on this already, but the four defenses that have consistently been awesome at wreaking havoc and also have just a borderline erotic start to the season. Number one, the Indianapolis Colts ADP. They are the third defense off the board, but guys, they get to face Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence to start the season. The top two ADP defenses, Buffalo is at the Rams and Tampa Bay is at the Cowboys to start the year. Not ideal. Maybe Tampa Bay, you know, still gets it done, though, with the Cowboys O-line looking the way it is. Number two defense I'm targeting, San Francisco 49ers. This is, I think, arguably just the single best defense to go after because we're getting the Seahawks and the Bears to start the season. PFF's bottom two offensive lines going into 2022 when we have seen Nick Bosa healthy for this defense. My goodness, they've been tough to stop in that front seven. Secondary does have some concerns, but again, Bears and Seahawks, those are the two offenses that we want to face if we have secondary concerns. Number three, the Denver Broncos. They also get a date with the Seahawks, and then after they get a great matchup with the Texans at home. So having the, you know, Russ coming back, you know, Seattle's going to be rowdy in that opening. Uh, I believe it's a Sunday. No, I think it's Monday night game. Uh, Russell Wilson, Drew Locke, Monday night football. What's better than this? Uh, but look, on this defense, having both Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb in those opening two spots, Denver Broncos going off the board as a DST nine, I think more than reasonable. And if all those guys are gone, Again, don't panic. Take the Cleveland Browns. They are the one defense that we could see actually be viable for the first four weeks of the season. Now, having Jacoby Brissett under center could lead to just a sort of turnovers and bad offensive performance that puts the defense in a logjam. I don't think the Browns defense is bad by any stretch. I mean, Miles Garrett, even Clowney, he doesn't get up much love these days. But the front seven's great. And Denzel Ward and having some of those guys back there, maybe they could be a top 10 defense on their own this year. But it's mostly just about the schedule. Panthers, Jets, Steelers, and Falcons to start the season. Absolutely fantastic for the Browns. So just to quickly recap these 10 tips to hopefully dominate your fantasy football draft. Don't get cute early. Early round ADPs are sharper than later rounds. If you're making a big jump by, I'd say, you know, 12 ADP spots early, you're just doing yourself a disservice because the guy you're going after, you have a good chance of getting them in the next round. Tip number two, there are more potential workhorse running backs available in the early rounds than ever. My preferred strategy is basically the hero or superhero RB start. You get one or two RBs in the first three rounds and then start loading up on wide receiver, maybe get the right tight end quarterback when they fall. It's because of all these workhorses in the first three and even four rounds of the draft. Tip number three, if it's close, take the player with the better best case scenario. Talked about some of those running backs, Michael Carter, Daryl Henderson, Jamal Williams, and Khalil Herbert that have both decent flex floor and a sky-high handcuff ceiling. Tip number four, draft players priced closer to their floors and ceilings when possible. Those sleepers again, Justin Fields, Daryl Henderson, Naeem Hines, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, Tyler Boyd, Rondale Moore, Jahan Dotson, Isaiah McKenzie, Joshua Palmer, Gerald Everett, and Irv Smith. 
Tip number five, injury prone and already injured are two completely different things. Please don't hold injuries that haven't happened yet against Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley at this point. I understand if you're a little more skeptical of guys like Jameson Williams, Michael Gallup, J.K. Dobbins, James Robinson, Chris Godwin, Sterling Shepard, and Logan Thomas, among others. Tip number six, round six or later is the right time to draft a quarterback in traditional formats. I am always smashing draft on Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, or I'm not taking both of them there. You can't take both of them in round six in the same draft, but that's a sweet spot for them. If not, I still think Trey Lance, where he's going, is a great value. And if you can't get that, like, okay, take the arbitrage versions of these guys. You know, Don't take Joe Burrow at pick 58. Take Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, 50 picks later, You know, once we're getting close to the double-digit rounds. Again, all about that value. Tip number seven, don't be afraid to double down and make wide receiver a super strength thanks to late round value at running back. Ideally, one or two running backs in the first few rounds, but then I want to take my chances on you know the top 30, top 36 wide receivers as many times as possible in the middle rounds because of these three not cheat codes, but just really good values at running back we have later in round seven and eight. Cordero Patterson, Kareem Hunt, and Chase Edmonds, explosive pass catching options that really I just do not think should be pushed this low. Like if these guys are going this low, I would hope to see in your leagues that guys like Josh Jacobs, even the Dave Montgomery's of the world are being pushed pretty close. Tip eight, take an extra five minutes and review your scoring format before the draft. Self-explanatory, if you are in a super flex draft, Josh Allen, 101, don't get cute in super flex, particularly. I know you see those running backs on the board in rounds one or two. Get your quarterbacks. The rest of your roster will be fine. There's nothing worse than being in a super flex league and only having one quarterback or just not even having a single good quarterback. You're truly bringing a knife to a gunfight there. Auction leagues. I really would advise against blowing your load in the first five picks. Like if you look at the way auction formats work, people get excited. You're going to be there for three or four hours. So when Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor are the first guys getting talked about, I just think that you're going to be able to get guys like Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, like just, I think the mere act of having enough money to like spend on the running backs that are probably getting brought up eighth or 10th. Cause there's no, there's no order. I mean, the, the auction drafts I've been in, you obviously nominate the guys. So for me, let people go crazy. They've been waiting to draft, you know, let them go blow a half their freaking budget on these running backs at the start. You can get the discount versions probably at far steeper of a discount than you should actually be getting. So it's not a perfect format. And, you know, if you do have specific questions for your draft, feel free to DM me. I try to get to those as much as possible. Uh, but yeah, would just advise take a little bit of a more cautious approach uh, with that auction. Don't be a hero early on. Tip number nine, it's okay to go early at the tight end position, but you don't need to chase it. That is mostly because guys like Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, and Dawson Knox going in rounds eight through 10, I am perfectly fine getting them if I'm not able to get Kelsey, Pitts, or Andrews early. And tip number 10, don't draft a kicker or defense unless it's required. If you have to, for the love of God, please wait until the last two rounds. Colts, 49ers, Broncos, and Browns on my top four defenses you should be taking if you're going to do it. So, guys, thanks as always for tuning in. It's going to wrap up another edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Going to be back next week myself. Dwayne McFarlane going to drag Nathan Yonke on here as well. Probably go through position by position and just kind of talk through the ranking differences that we have the most. You can find all these rankings on PFF Plus, our new and improved modern draft guide. If you guys are drafting this weekend, I can't advise enough. Go get a free trial with this. We give it to you for a week free. It's going to help you 
basically hold your hand throughout the draft, give you our most updated rankings, all the analysis. Literally, this is the best thing that we have to try to be there drafting right by your side. So just having some people having already DM me the drafts that they've done using this tool. I swear that, you know, it's the exact kind of same sort of format. Everything I've just talked about, like we have built that into this app, into this tool to try to get you guys moving in the right direction. So again, PFF Plus, you can check out the new PFF app in the App Store. It's a great day to be great, guys. Why the hell not? And again, you can get a free week trial. Sounds like a pretty good deal for me. So thanks, those for tuning in. I'm Ian Harditz. Until next time, take care, everybody.